Welcome, friends, to this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom with Marissa Rada. That is me. In this episode, I am in conversation with Roshan Jihan. She is a friend here in Boise, a yogini, a soul sister, a mother I admire, and a lady boss I absolutely look up to. She is an integral part of her family's company, Camille Beckman. Camille Bethman is a local slash international, highly conscious and thoughtfully curated health and beauty care line. And so in this conversation, she talks about her role in the company and uh, how she's bringing it to the next level and her new line, Cosmic Body, and her own spiritual journey and path and all different kinds of things. Roshan is just... uh, Someone, yeah, like I said, I look up to and I admire a lot and I am very grateful that I'm friends with and I always love what we can spend time together. So this podcast was recorded about a month ago here in my home and I'm just so delighted to get it out. It's been a wild month uh, since releasing this podcast. It's been so great. I really appreciate everyone who's listening and tuning in and sharing it with their friends. And especially if you're leaving a review, five-star review, or some words too about how the podcast makes you feel. And uh, you can always send me an email if you've got questions or you want to share any of your stories. The email address that I use for this podcast is marissarada at gmail.com. Marissarada, just like it is um, in the show title. So send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. I'm fresh out of the teacher training uh, this weekend that I led at my studio, Sage Yoga and Wellness. It was vinyasa, 200-hour teacher training, module one. And I just got to spend the whole weekend going super deep into the psychology of yoga and spirituality of yoga and what it means to be practicing yoga and why we're doing all of this. And it filled me up. so much. I got done last night. And you teach for like 20 hours, almost straight, it seems. It's many hours in a row each day. But I was finished yesterday and just felt super blissed out and charged up because it's basically my favorite thing to talk about. And I was with a rapt audience. All the yogis and yoginis were super sweet. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to share yoga in such an in-depth and deep way. So feeling really good about that. I've got an international teacher training coming up in Australia in February 2020 with my yoga partner here, Naomi Jones, and a woman, Kara, at her studio, Kara, I should say, Kara at her studio, Inner Space. It's right outside of Sydney, Australia. So maybe if you're in that neck of the woods, you can join us there for a teacher training. And next week, well, I guess I should say the 26th, which when this comes out, it'll be a week from now. If you're listening to this uh, on time, of course, in the future, this will already be passed. But I've got my spirit dive retreat with my beloved East Forest coming up. It's our fourth annual spirit dive retreat in Boulder, Utah, not Boulder, Colorado. There's one spot left for a room in the lodge. And it's Thursday to Sunday, an optional extra day, Sunday to Monday. And it's my favorite place to go and recharge and reset and take my uh, 
seed intentions in this harvest springtime and plant them deep into the earth and my soul and see what blossoms in the coming spring. So you could join us there, East Forest and I, and a collective of incredible, beautiful, sweet souls as we spend so much time hiking and in nature and under the stars and of course practicing yoga and doing sound ceremonies. And I even DJ for Saturday night. We have a fun dance party. So that's coming up. And the other thing that I'm working on is a new meditation studio. It's opening up next to my um, yoga studio downtown in Boise. It's going to be called Source Meditation Space. And I've got two partners with that, Susan and Paul. The three of us are creating this new entity as a, what do I want to say? Like a hub for experiencing direct experience of source self like yoga does, but this will be through avenues of sound healings, meditations, of course, breath work, kirtan, mm, all different kinds of special workshops and events and yeah, meditation studio. How about that? So right next door to Sage, hope that's going to open up in November. And uh, then this podcast, loving it so much. Enjoy this episode with Roshan. She is just such a sweet, sweet gem. Here you go. Welcome, Roshan. I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to do this with you. Um. You're somebody that I've met here in Boise in the community and that I admire from afar, especially as another lady boss out there in the world with the work that you do with Camille Beckman. And then as another spiritual seeker and someone who is very aligned with her own path and as a mother. Thank you. I feel the same way about you. Thanks. When I first came to Sage, I didn't know you then, but I came in and I knew that I was like at a, I was at home. And then when I got to meet you, I was like, oh, that makes sense that you're the person who holds the space here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love the feeling of Sage so much. And I've heard from other people that it feels, um, there's a nice sense of home. That's a good way to put it. A pretty peaceful vibe, a little womb in downtown Boise. Yeah, I've experienced a lot of growth there. And you're from Boise, right? Yeah, I was born here. My dad's from Iran and my mom is, uh, and he's came here for graduate school and stayed. And my mom is, I want to say like sixth or seventh generation Idahoan. Mm-hmm. So she was born in Caldwell and grew up in rural Idaho. And I grew up a lot in rural Idaho as well with my grandparents. Where in rural Idaho? Uh, Weezer. Okay. Yeah. And so your parents met in college? Um, no, my uh, dad got a job as an engineer, came to Boise from Colorado after he graduated. And my mom was an entrepreneur, definitely not college type mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an artist. And uh, she, uh, they met and it was just that that's the story. <laughs> they met like two or three times. It was very serendipitous and... Um, they've always had a really beautiful, loving, supportive relationship. And so I grew up here and I also got to, I've gotten the chance to spend a lot of time in Iran too, because my dad, um, 
made sure that I was a citizen of Iran too. So I've gotten to spend quite a bit of time there. You take trips at least once a year, it seems. Um, yeah, with Iran, now that I have my own children and my husband and I can't uh, get citizenship for them, mm-hmm. I um, have to apply for visas each time. So with them, it's it takes a little longer. So, But we're still hoping that we can go every three to five years at a minimum. Yeah, that's wonderful for them to get to experience. And your your husband, Danish, you met here in Boise as well. Yeah. And his family's from Boise. Um, his family well, they, moved here in the 90s. Yes. Yeah. They're not from Boise. They're yeah. from... They're from Pakistan. Pakistan. So his dad is from uh, southern Pakistan and his mother is uh, Punjabi mm-hmm. and from northern Pakistan, uh, Amritsar, uh, formerly. And she, uh, they both moved to Dubai and... Eventually, they had the opportunity to move here in the 90s and picked up their whole life and all four boys and came here. And now we're all here. Wow. Yeah. And you come from a family of entrepreneurs and yeah. his family as well. They have a, a amazing Indian restaurant in town. Taj Mahal. The Taj Mahal, yes, which indeed. I go to as often as I can. And then your family has Camille Beckman. Mm-hmm. And explain Camille Beckman a little bit. Uh, Well, my mom, it started just my mom used to, like I said, she was an artist and she always, she and I both have always had our own little businesses that we've started through our childhood and high school and beyond. And so she was not interested in working for someone else. And so she was uh, picking flowers and drying flowers and doing sachets and potpourri and, uh, Eventually, this she got to a point where she was hiring other people, and then she started learning about lotions and personal care. It was something she had done her whole life that she enjoyed, but she really started getting heavy into that in the early 90s. And that's when her business really um, changed into a personal care company. And um, so I grew up with that pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a kid, I was always in the bathroom, like testing stuff, making stuff, um, having my own show where I was talking to people about personal care. And so I just grew up with that. And when they decided that they were going to expand our facility in Eagle and build the Chateau, which is an event center and a restaurant and has some other elements Uh, She really decided to fully focus there, and I decided to come in and fully take over Camille um, because I have worked in it for so long, and I felt comfortable in it, and I also am really passionate about um, evolving the company for Mm -hmm. our customers. So what is your role now with Camille Beckman? It's kind of whatever I have to be. You know, a lot of times when a business is established, we think of startup culture as very different from an established business. But when life is the ebb and flow. And so when a business has been around for a really, really long time, it either tapers out or you have to reinvigorate it. And so my role has been to continue to serve our customers and create the products that we have created for so long, but also to decide, is this company going to just remain where it is or is it going to evolve with the time? And so uh, I've worked in every department except for shipping in my life. And so I have a pretty good background about all the different elements and I work... um, 
I mostly I'm passionate about bringing down products from reality or from, I'm sorry, concept in my mind to reality. So I'm looking around all the time at what's in the market, listening to people, looking at people, how, how they actually use their products mm-hmm. and also determining what I think needs to be done in our industry because it does need to, it is evolving, but it needs to evolve a little faster because there's a lot of problems in the beauty industry, um, in my opinion. And so I'm very passionate about bringing all those elements together and creating the products and formulating. That's really what I love. I love to create something that I feel is to perfection of formulation. And then I also um, work with people that I consider incredibly talented um, creatives in order to design all the packaging around it, create a, I call it cultivating the vibe. So like cultivating the vibe of each product or collection we make and then um, work with sales, marketing. The, uh, we're in a unique position because we make everything ourselves in our own factory. And so I also work with our production team. And I feel like a lot of my job is not only overseeing the logistics of how all this happens, but also to me, it's very important when you're in a leadership position to consider if my children worked for this company, how would I want this company to treat my children? And so really thinking more about how I can serve the people who work for me has become a big part of my role and really trying to evolve myself as a leader and learn as much as I can. What are some of the things that you've done to or added to the company to serve the employees? So, well, this year we started doing a a lunch program, which I'm really excited about because when I talked to everybody last year, the number one concern amongst all of our team members was uh, health. A lot of them are dealing with, you know, other people in their family who have health concerns. Also, we all know the situation of our healthcare system in the U.S. and just the American lifestyle is not one that really promotes health. And so uh, we have our own gardens on site and I figured between utilizing ingredients from our garden and also uh, being able to help people have healthier food, we could, I I just thought it would be really cool to be able to provide food for everyone. And I thought, well, this is some pie in the sky dream that would happen eventually when we have like more uh, revenue Mm -hmm. and we can hire someone. But then I really have been holding myself to the principle the last couple years that if you're developing an abundant mindset, then that doesn't mean I'm going to be abundant when, that means I'm going to be abundant now. And I realized that I have someone already on my team who is a very, very good cook and knows a lot about health and has practiced this within her own lifestyle in recent years. So I just talked to her and said, hey, if we, you know, provide the the budget and we uh, just come up with a plan. Can you do a meal program and, and cook a, a daily meal for everybody on our team? <clears throat> and she was like, oh, that would be awesome. I would love it. And so she is super creative and we have really, really good, totally different meals every day of the week. Like last wow. week we had like Mediterranean food and she's from Poland. So we had Polish food. She makes Mexican food. She makes Asian food. Like she makes everything. It's incredible. And um, so we did that also. Um, and that's a no-cost lunch for all of your employees? Yeah. Anybody wow. who wants to do it, they just take their lunch set and set it on the table and she fills them. So she does it. We're open five days a week, but she usually does it three or four just because mm-hmm. it's very um, 
labor intensive for her to do it. Fantastic. So we did that this year. Um, and then we added the yoga classes with mm-hmm. actually a couple instructors who worked at Sage, who I really enjoyed. They come in twice a week and do yoga classes in the morning. And who's teaching over there now? Um, who is teaching over there? Corinne teaches, and then uh-huh. sometimes Eric teaches when he's in town. And actually, quite a few people have taught over there. Sharika's taught, Marcy's yep. taught because they taught. I think too. Yeah, Celeste has taught. Mm-hmm. They just kind of if if Corinne's not in town, she'll like assign it to someone else. Yeah, the stages, it's such a great team how much everyone covers for each other and the yeah. work kind of flows back and forth between the yogis. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I wish that more people did that program because I feel like like free yoga, I w- but also at the same time, you have to meet everybody where they're at. Mm-hmm. And so people have different interests. We also do a personal trainer once a week and I noticed... Some people don't partake in yoga, but they do the personal trainer. Yeah. Um, so that that was cool. Those were how we addressed the health conversation. And then just in general, like, you know, we don't like to talk about money, but obviously money is important. And some people had uh, expressed to me like their financial situations. And so being able to give people raises, that was another thing that when we had the company um, – when I talked to my parents, it was like, well, when we increase revenue, we can do this. And to me, it's like, well, let's figure out how to do it now. Because if we can't show appreciation now, then who's to say that we do it later, you know? And also, the abundance has to be right in front of you right here, right now. Otherwise, it's not really an abundant mindset. So we just kind of looked at what what could go and cut some other things out and we're able to do some raises and that was another thing even just showing up more like I try to have I I never want to grow beyond a point where I don't have a personal relationship with all the people Mm -hmm. um, on my team and I kind of know where they're at and it's hard for me not to get personally involved I'm getting a lot better it just you can't save other people you can't handle other people's situations but at least if I know where they are, then um, it helps me know that the things that we're working on are not just my objectives that are being met. Like, I know that we can meet everybody's objectives and help everybody with their goals. And so that um, has been a big change of how I've addressed leadership. And and I think that's been really helpful for myself and for others. Mm-hmm. Wow. It sounds like an incredibly holistic mindset. Yeah. And props to you. That takes a lot of energy. Yeah, it does. And just courage to to enact those changes and say, I have an abundant mindset. This is happening now. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think that we get so inundated with, I was talking to one of my friends the other day. She was saying, I want everything in my workplace to be, I want everyone to be happy all the time. And what am I doing wrong? And I was telling her, I think we have to really understand the fact that a lot of us, the idea that we're sold of how happy things are in a lot of companies is a PR. It's a PR lie, you know, and part of being a good leader is figuring out what can I enact in my company for other people to help them and to enrich their lives. But at the same time, um, I need to like hold space for people to be people if someone's having a bad day it's okay if Mm -hmm. somebody is having their struggles or their challenges like that's a part of life 
And it's a very interesting place to be a leader in today's world where the expectations are either zero or a hundred. And as leaders, we put all that on our back and ultimately it's like a house, like your work is a, is your home. And so you can help your children, you can be there for them, you can hold them and tell them you love them and that they're lovely, but you can't solve all their problems for them. And it's important for them to go through their problems so that they can grow. Because if you're not having problems, you're not growing. It's true. And so that's something I really learned this year. And I'm trying to do what I can to make it a place that, like I said, I want my kids to be, but at the same time, accept that things happen and that it's not really your responsibility to go and solve everything for everyone because you've got to be focused on the bigger picture and let people experience things for themselves. Mm-hmm. All very, very true. Yeah. Very true. So Camille Beckman's been around for over 20 years now? 35. 35. Mm-hmm. My goodness and when we've been when we've spent time together recently you've been really excited about a new line that you've developed yeah um so it's called cosmic body mm-hmm. it's launching i hope next month in september i i don't put really steadfast deadlines on things because it can expectations lead to disappointment but um that's the plan and we're on track for it but you know they're just for camille beckman my vision is to be able to help provide natural solutions and kind of bridge the natural and I would say like mass or glam market that we have in this country. In in all countries now, we have this idea where people want to wear makeup, they want to um, use like soaps, which are, they want to use things that aren't necessary really for their beauty in, in a large, I'm not saying soap isn't necessary, let me reframe that. <laughs> Soap is necessary in very small amounts, but we overuse it like greatly as a society, right? Yeah. So, soap is necessary for the necessary parts of your body. Yes, exactly. And when necessary. But this idea that we're like shower, that we're lathering ourselves all day or not all day, but once a day, <laughs> twice a day, like uh-huh. it's excessive, right? So I want to be able to bridge uh, the mass market and offer them more natural solutions, which is what I'm focusing on at Camille Beckman. And Cosmic Body, I refer to it as like the the innovators brand because my vision is that in the beauty industry in the next 10 years we're going to see a big shift we're already seeing a big shift towards natural products and towards essential oils and towards using just straight you know carrier oils like coconut oil in our home in our homes but um i think that there's a lot of space for evolution in that space. There's a lot of opportunity for us to take this ancient herbal wisdom that our ancestors knew of and that holistic and uh, and naturopathic doctors utilize and to be able to frame that in a way that is, you know, glamorous and aligns with pop culture and is fun and bring that into people's life. And so... A lot of the cosmic body differs from a lot of the lines that are out there because it's not just straight carrier oils and straight essential oils. And at the same time, it's not a blanketed natural product line that still utilizes like safe synthetics or what we consider clean ingredients. Mm -hmm. It's actually all, um, there are 
initially, I want to say eight products in the lineup, but I have 13 total I'm working on and they are all complete products. So they uh, have many different uses and contain many different ingredients within them. Each ingredient does different things for the particular use. And that's that that's just kind of how it differs i guess yeah. is that it's it's more of a it the line itself there's it covers the body the face the hair the sexual and reproductive organs the mouth and hygiene and each one of those categories has one or two different products that basically make up the entire routine and so. would this be a daily routine weekly you know, it just depends on how people want to use it. Most of them are da- like tooth products. Right. We have a tooth powder as well as a mouth pulling oil. Mm-hmm. Those things I hope people use daily. I yeah. use them twice a day. Uh, I have a six-in-one cleansing oil that um, is a, definitely a daily product. Mm-hmm. For example, that's one of my favorite products. A lot of the the lie that we've bought from the beauty industry is that we should be washing our faces a lot. And a lot of people are dealing with... Uh, aggravated acne, they deal with uh, extreme dryness, or they have this lack of balance between the two where they're almost going back and forth between really oily skin and dry skin. And a lot of it is the fact that we are washing our faces twice a day with cleansers, with surfactants, Mm -hmm. and we shouldn't be. Uh, I mean, really, the only time that you need a surfactant is if you're washing off makeup. And what's a surfactant? Uh, it's a cleansing agent. So it's like what creates so it's basically soap. Mm-hmm. And um, when you do that, you're stripping all the natural oils off of your skin. So I'm a big proponent of oil cleansing, which is basically you do, you just take oil and you uh, massage it into your skin and it pulls all of the dirt and debris up to the surface and then you just wipe it off. Hmm. And so the oil cleanser that I have, it's a six-in-one product, and I use it as a uh, cleanser. It is the, you don't use face cream, you just utilize it afterwards as the oil. What's the main oil? Serum, you know, I have it right here. I think it's jojoba, but I have so many different ingredients I use, I want to make sure of that. So this one is jojoba. Oil, almond oil, sea buckthorn oil, olive oil, avocado oil, grapeseed oil, sweet orange oil. And you can use it to remove your makeup. You can use it as a, um, so as a cleanser, as a serum and moisturizer. You can also, I use a pump or two of it underneath my makeup because it creates a bare, it it acts as a primer. So it makes your skin really glowy and it also acts as a barrier so that the ingredients from the makeup don't seep into your skin. Mm -hmm. So it sounds incredible. It's awesome. You want to try some? Yes, I do. (laughs) You can just take like two pumps in your hand and uh-huh. just massage it into your face. I A lot of this, um, you know, we should be spending more time instead of picking on our faces and evaluating our faces that way. I feel like we can spend a lot more time just massaging them mm-hmm. and being intentional with them. Do you use face rollers? I I had one and <laughs> Rohan broke it. Like, was Rohan's just playing. your three-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he broke it. And so I never ended up using it again, but I've heard awesome things about him. Everyone. I have one, but I only use it a few times, but it does feel good. It's like a little mini massage for the face. 
And that this cosmic body six in one miracle. Yeah. So this is the only thing I use now. um, Not to like put my own, what do you call it? Not to toot my own horn, even though I kind of am. But this is the only product I've used now for two years as I've been testing it on my face. So I don't use any cleansers. I cleanse like when I wear makeup. So maybe once every week or two, Mm -hmm. I use a cleanser. But this is what I use to wash my face. It's what I use as my moisturizer. Like you might think with all those oils, there'd be a thickness to it. Do you know what I mean? And it doesn't feel yeah, and that your way. face doesn't look oily at all right now. Mm-mm. Like if you could see it in a mirror, it looks totally the exact same as it did before. So a lot of the the oils that I use are specifically chosen to not leave that oily residue because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Is we can use just straight coconut oil, but um, you're getting that oily residue. Yeah. Yep. And also jojoba oil. I specifically chose because it doesn't go rancid and also it seeps into the skin and the sea buckthorn oil has a ton of vitamins and minerals and that seeps into the skin. Whereas some other of other oils like just stay on the surface. Mm-hmm. The so, yoga I've been using daily for the past couple of years. I got that from Krishna actually. Oh yeah. He's mm-hmm. into this stuff too. He I is. enjoy talking to him about mm-hmm. this stuff. He's yeah. a Jehovah guy Yeah, and his skin looks amazing. Yeah. People think he's younger than me. Yeah, I love the jojoba. Also, that it's jojoba. Jojoba. I so think the that's, how you, that's what I've always said. Yeah, jojoba. Okay. But everything from the line is renewable. All the ingredients, and that's why I chose like jojoba and sea buckthorn. I mean, it's a berry. Every single ingredient I chose, not only in this product but all of them, it's renewably processed. So what I mean by that is, with some oils or natural ingredients, there's a um, lot of in the refining and extraction process it actually utilizes a ton of energy and a lot of times you're like cutting down the entire tree for example in order to cultivate that product so all the ingredients that I use I, I really try to focus on sustainability to where for example you cut the herbs you dry the herbs you powder the herbs and it's done right you know uh the oils you pick the fruit from the tree you extract the oils and it's done so I think that that's for those of us that are really a focused on what the environment is naturally providing us as far as nutritional value for our bodies and then also the environmental factor of it i think for people who are concerned about those two things this is really this is the icing on the cake cool <laughs> i can't wait till it's available and i've always been curious i hope this doesn't sound strange but i've never seen camille beckman in the store right and yeah. so where how do people buy your the product? So we sell a lot um, online through our own retail website. Mm-hmm. And but how then, have people found out about it? So yeah, we have we so our business model through the late '80s and early '90s was working with independent retailers, gift oh, shops, oh, okay, and like a boutique, uh, boutiques, uh, pharmacies, health food stores, basically non conglomerate owned entities. And this is still a big priority for me. Uh, There have been people who have, not people, there have been entities that have wanted to carry our products that we've said no to because we don't really just align with that particular value. We really believe in the shop as local as possible value and supporting small retailers. So we do work with some large retailers, for example, Amazon, 1-800-Flowers, but we're very, very selective about it because we are really trying to drive local business to local retailers. Where is it locally? 
So in Boise right now, you can get it at Boise Bodega. We have a small selection at uh, uh, Bodo Chiropractic. Uh-huh. We have it at St. Alphonsus and St. Luke's. In their gift shop? In their hospital gift shops, hmm. yeah. Um, we have it. There's a couple other stores. I feel bad. I should remember all of them. But That's we have okay. like 3,000 retailers. But you're not at like the co-op. No. I talked to the co-op. They they didn't want to carry our product. <laughs> Um, she just said they had a, yeah, I know. I was really bummed about it, but you know, you, you deal with rejection and the way that I view it is <laughs> anyone who rejects you someday, they're going to be begging for your product, right? <laughs> it's like dating when you're a teenager, like not, not a lot of people like wanted to date me as a teenager, but now I feel like I'm super eligible, even though I'm like, obviously have a husband, but I'm just saying like, you know, people can only see where they can see. And so at this time they have other interests. A lot of companies that I've approached, like have other interests because there are other brands out there that have like the hot name around them. And it's just a lot of retailing is a popularity contest. And, yes. and so if people give me like the co-op gave me really awesome feedback um, about the products and I was like, OK, that's really cool. I, I learned from what they told me and I feel like a lot of retailing is a popularity contest. And for a long time, I really focused on that, like being the big brand and how to make that happen. But now I just kind of like like I said, like they, they come to you if they feel like you have something genuine to offer. And um, I know that we do and we take good care of our team. We create incredible products. Like I'm really picky about what goes out and in the lab for extended periods of time. And I know that it's only a matter of time before huge volumes of people recognize that and also there's already a huge volume of people that are my tribe that recognize that well to have been around for 35 years is incredibly telling yeah you know we don't i don't create products for the one-time sell because the one-time sell in personal care is irrelevant to you you need the two time 10 time 20 time so if i have to make a product a hundred times to get a formula right even after all these years of experience who cares? You know, I'm, I always tell people, okay, we're making it again. And, you know, someone might roll their eyes and I'm like, look, like, do you want to be here or not? Do you want to be here in 30 years? Because this is the difference. And I also feel like there's a ton of smoke and mirrors in the beauty industry. Like I can only imagine. It, it, it's it's, it's so, probably most smoke it's and like mirrors, right? It's like smoke and mirrors. It's so... Like you said, there was a big lie Oh, to wash your face all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, what are the other big lies? Oh my God, Michigan? I can tell you tell tons tell of us big some lies. More. <laughs> but I I think the big thing is like for me, it's it sits on my conscience mm. at night. If I put something out there and I know it's a lie, it sits on my conscience. So I can't do that. Uh Morality is like a huge thing for me. <laughs> you know, I have that like Puritan background mm-hmm. and it just I don't align maybe with the religious beliefs of that, but at the same time, like my my focus, faith and spirituality is what keeps me here on this planet. And so everything I do has to be integrated with that. So for me, it's like I if I'm going to put a product out, it has to genuinely help people. It has to be something that I know that they can rely on. And then I have to feel good about how it's made, what's in it, 
all of those details. And if I can service, I love with Cosmic Body and Camille Beckman, I get to service a large variety of women because Mm -hmm. everybody has very different tastes. Mm -hmm. So for people that like perfume, I want to give them as natural of a uh, opportunity as I can within the space of perfume and fine fragrance. If someone's into all natural products, I want to give that to them. If someone's into like the hyper clean, super pure renewable products like I am, I want to give them that through Cosmic Body. So I feel like I couldn't be a capitalist if I didn't feel like somehow it was servicing others. I have in the past just like done things in order to, you know, make money and quote unquote survive. And that's just not where I'm at. I'm fully focused on thriving and helping other people thrive. And I just got to feel really good about it. So the educational aspect, actually, we started doing on our Instagram too. Mm -hmm. Like we're doing these skincare myths on our Instagram where we actually talk about kind of what the industry has told you versus the truth. And the Instagram is Camille Beckman. Yep. Camille Beckman and Cosmic Body. I already have a list of like a hundred topics I'm going to hit and I'm really excited. I'm just starting writing those out. So tell us some of your myths. So we talk about uh, one that we're getting ready to put out this week is how vitamins are derived because a lot of times in a formula, it'll say vitamin A, vitamin C, but a lot of those are like synthetically derived from the lab. So they're not actually being processed by your skin. So you want to buy products where the company openly talks about how they're deriving those ingredients, right? Gotcha. Um, The washing the face is Mm -hmm. huge. That's one I talk about a lot. I've heard you go on a little tirade too about washing your hair even. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, and Cosmic Body, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm going to do a hair cleansing concentrate, but I actually haven't used shampoo for like three years now. I sometimes, like if I have a ton of oil in my hair, because I do like, I just like will slather the whole thing in oil to do a mask, then I'll use a little shampoo just to like break it up, Mm -hmm. like a very small amount. But I don't use shampoo. I take apple cider vinegar and just half apple cider vinegar, half water, throw some essential oils in there that I want to use. Tea tree I like because it cleanses the scalp. And that's what I use to wash my hair. I first started it. And I was like, oh, this is it's it's really weird at the beginning because you are used to using shampoos. But the thing is like the lather. And yeah, it you want the smooth. lather and, and you want that smoothness from the conditioner afterwards. But mm-hmm. think about it, like your your hair is protein, right? So you're just taking your hair and some people every day, you're um for me, I was washing it previously, like every four days, because I have really thick hair, Iranian hair. It is what it is. And um, you're just taking it and you're putting soap all over it, which is opening up basically all the follicles and just like stripping them out. And then you're just solving that by putting silicone over your hair, which is what conditioner is. Like it's essentially silicone. So you're just putting a plastic over it in order to create the false idea that it's soft and smooth. Hmm. And um, so it definitely like feels good in the moment. But I, I have, like I said, I have ethnic hair. And so for me, like you can tell really, really fast when your hair is just super messed up because it just looks fried. Like my hair will look really dry and fried if I uh, over process it or overwash it. And so my hair now 
always looks pretty much amazing. Um, <laughs> even if it, I don't style my hair at all, so I could probably use a style. But as far as like the luxury, the luxurious factor of my hair, like mm-hmm. it's up there. Yeah, <laughs> I would second that. Your hair looks incredible. Yeah, and so I just um, I tell people I tell with Cosmic Body long term, I'm gonna just put all the. Uh, formulas up on my website and people can just make them themselves because I want people to do this whether they buy my product or not. I'm confident that enough people care about packaging and like the super cool like pop culture design that I've created with this packaging that they're going to want to buy it. But I also think there's a lot of people where, you know, if you are into DIY or you want to figure out how to do this, like in a bulk way, in a more cost effective way, long term for a large family and you don't you know, care about buying a product or uh, having a certain aesthetic on the product. I just want people to do it because it's the right thing for your body and for the environment. So uh, I will be doing a hair cleansing concentrate, but if you want to start it right now, you just take half apple cider vinegar, half Mm -hmm. purified water, throw a couple drops of tea tree oil. It will be weird your first few washes, but once you get about a month in, um, you'll see a huge difference and your hair will actually start to restructure into the hair that you actually are meant to have. My hair now, when I wash it and it dries, it looks like it looks in the pictures from when I was like three and four years old. Whereas if you look at all the pictures throughout the years where I washed and used surfactants all the time, my hair really looked frizzy. And This um, is going to be a dumb question, but what happens after you shampoo it? Is there a conditioning routine? So I just leave it. I want to make a conditioner eventually. Right now, once in a great while, I use um, Living Libations has a conditioner that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out of Canada, but I don't use a conditioner would you say then that you don't need to because you're not stripping your hair in the same way yeah you don't need to i mean most people don't i have really my hair like starts to dread after a day or two if i i have really thick hair so Mm -hmm. i'm like the prime person who conditioner is made for and what i found is it does get a little more tingly if i don't use the conditioner but as long as i keep it um brushed i use a uh I stopped using like a plastic brush because it makes my hair really staticky. I just use like a, a large tooth wood comb. Mm-hmm. Or if you have thinner hair, you could use um, one of those like boar brussel, mm-hmm. I think it's called mm-hmm. brushes. And there's wood brushes. That's what I have. Yeah, I, I like wood brushes. I like the the wood comb personally. And I feel like as long as you keep your hair combed out, um, you don't need to. Also, you can use oil. I have a hair oil. In mm-hmm. uh, Cosmic Body. <laughs> Speaking of which, let me answer your problem. I've really thought of everything with this line. My well, goal is like for my bathroom to only be my own products because I'm super paranoid about what I put on my body and careful. But you could take a little bit of an oil like this and uh-huh. just put it through the bottom Can of I your hair. Longer and, and stronger fortifying hair and scalp oil. So mm. it has nettle in it. Nettles like... We've heard like stinging nettles, uh-huh. uh, nettle oil, and the omelet oil. That's what they use in India. Uh, well, this is what it's making me think of when I was in India in February. And a few times I got different massages and they would dump the oil all over my head and my yeah. body. And they, the women, bless their heart, was they were just kind of appalled. Like your hair, your <laughs> hair is so dry and you yeah. have to do this all the time. And they would kind of, I think the recommendation, it seems like they were trying to tell me was like, have it like fully all oiled up and leave it that way for like an hour. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, my mother-in-law does it on my hair because she's always like your hair. She was like one of the people who jump-started my thing because, like I said, like they're from Pakistan and she, they do hair oiling and my husband mm-hmm. always does it. And their hair, the the hair culture there is so much more. It's built in ancient <laughs> wisdom. Their hair is so much more luxurious than ours. And even though, like, obviously Procter & Gamble has made their way into the market and they're trying to reteach everyone the falsified lies which is frustrating but it is what it is um but the the oils that i use a lot of them come from herbal culture or from their ayurvedic culture mm-hmm. and uh really it's because my mother-in-law would be like you need to oil your hair and she would put oil all over my hair that's the only time i would use some shampoo i'd just put like a quarter size drop yeah and kind of let it break it up because mm-hmm. it's a ton of oil when you <laughs> yeah. do a super pack like that but I mean, my hair has just grown super long and super strong. Hence the name Longer and Stronger in the last um, in the last few years. But also I don't have like dandruff anymore. And I used to have a ton of dandruff. Okay. And so I don't have that. And I think nettles do a lot for dandruff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know nettles do a lot for dandruff. And I also use like spikenard and lemon oil and uh, carrot seed oil. There's a bunch of oils in there that... I feel really, really help um, with maintenance of the scalp because if you don't have a healthy scalp, you're not going to have healthy hair. So you want to make sure that the scalp is clean, that it's not overly dry, and it's also not overly oiled. Gotcha. Great. Yeah. Again, I can't wait. I'm going to... I'm going to, I'll drop you off someone it launches. That, that would be fantastic. I'm like salivating already. I can't wait to get it. And the idea, I'll just say, of changing my shampoo routine scares me a little bit. Yeah, it scared me a lot too. But I think when you have hair like mine, like no one knows how to do your hair. And mm-hmm. so that helped me a lot was I was frustrated in general because my hair never would like act the way I wanted it to. And so I'm very, I'm a huge fan of like, don't style your hair. People can do what they need to do. But for me, I don't like to style my hair. I just want it to be as healthy as possible. Yeah. And so it was super weird when I started doing it, but I've seen huge success with it. My husband has two or three of my friends have been brave enough to try it. One of them is American. She has like really thin hair and she, her hair looks awesome. Really? Um, she does do it. I only wash with apple cider vinegar like once a week. And I think she does it like every two days or something just because mm-hmm. her hair is different than mine. But your hair will also go through like a a resituating process for a couple weeks when you first start. It'll take like a month. I wore a lot of hats and stuff the first month because <laughs> your hair just kind of, it doesn't know what to do. Imagine if you're constantly putting soap on something, like opening the follicle like that over and over and over again, and then you stop. Mm-hmm. There's like a recalibration process. It's the same with washing your face. Yeah. If you have a lot of dry skin and acne problems and you're used to constantly putting the cleansers on your face and then constantly putting product on to try to solve the problem that you created with the cleanser, it's going to take a couple weeks because your skin will be like, whoa, what's mm-hmm. going on? But it won't get worse. Usually it gets, it starts to get slowly better. It'll just kind of change. And then within a month, like, I just can't imagine going back to using products the way I, the I'll see products now and I like shudder at it just because I know that, you know, what they're marketing 
I don't want to say it's a lie because it can work, but like it works if you've already messed everything up, you know? So it's like you've messed everything up, so you need the solution. And so maybe it will provide you a solution based on that. But wouldn't it be nicer to just not have the issue in the first place just by taking better care of yourself in the first place? Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. I'm excited for your education that'll come along with all of this. Yeah, it's all it's all education oriented because I feel like that's the gift that I can give right now. Mm-hmm. That's what will make me feel good is to share all this info. One of the other things that you did recently that I was just so um, inspired by was when you were you were one of our Camille Beckman was a major sponsor for Yoga Fort back in March, and you designed the hypnotherapy facials. Yeah, totally. What was that experience like? It turned out really cool. People really liked it. Um, but I just, but it was like you were giving facials while someone was almost like hypnotizing Hypnotizing you or yoga nidra, like a guided meditation. Yeah. Um, It's because I think that in the beauty industry, we're so focused on everybody wants to change how they are. And I don't want... Camille Beckman, we launched our skincare line this year and or this last year. And it was, I mean, by far, in my opinion, this is like the cleanest you can get. If you still want to get... If you still want to view skincare the way that we would view it from like an esthetician perspective, which I think there's validity to that, especially if you're into that realm and you wear a lot of makeup, you need cleansers, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So uh, Cosmic Body isn't for everyone. For the people that it's not for, I wanted to create a really uh, high-end quality line using natural ingredients of skincare and make it very competitively priced for people because a lot of what they use in salon and spas like the ingredients suck as much as the other and any other line. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted something where estheticians could say, wow, this is good product. I would want to use this in my salon or spa. And at the same time, um, make it available for people to be able to utilize in their homes at an affordable price. Cause I don't think that we should have women blocked off from that. And the approach for the hypnosis was instead of the idea where we could promise people that all of your all of your challenges will go away and you'll be a totally new person when you do this skincare. For me, it's more about the ritual of I'm going to take care of my skin and I'm going to accept myself as I am. And so all of the hypnosis was really dealing around trying to get people really into their bodies and really comfortable with looking at themselves the way that they are. And you wouldn't the people that you wouldn't look at the people that you love and be like, oh man, I wish that this were different. And I mean, maybe some of us do, and we all do on occasion. <laughs> Let's, but our goal is to look at the people we love and totally accept them the way they are. And most of the time, when we're looking at the people we love, we do. We're looking at our kids, saying, "Wow, my kids yes. are so awesome. I love them so much." And um, a lot of us aren't doing that for ourselves because we think that we have to have something different in order to be beautiful. It's like, it's self-hate. It's the it's the opposite of self-love and self-acceptance. And self-love and self-acceptance has become so prevalent in the beauty industry. And I think that that's beautiful. But one of the things we really have to drive home for people is that ultimately the product isn't going to make a change if the intention, if the intention is 
built-in self-hate. And so what can you do for your skin? Well, you know, if you're wearing makeup, you can cleanse it. If you're not wearing makeup, you can oil cleanse it. You can moisturize it by using an oil um, or a cream that is actually going to absorb into your skin without having fillers and I have a different opinion about creams. I'm not a super fan of creams because a lot of them have a surfactant in mm-hmm. them. That's how you make a cream. Um, but that's how you emulsify a product. But that being said, there there is there are good aspects of a cream. That's not the point. Sorry. The point is that there's only a few things you can do for your skin. You can exfoliate it. You can cleanse it. You can moisturize it, hydrate it. Um, you can do other things, but... At some point, it becomes nitpicking on a process that unless you actually go get plastic surgery, it's not going to change. And so instead of giving people that false hope, I really wanted women to just get into themselves, get comfortable with themselves and be hypnotized into understanding that their beauty is raw natural real essence. And that's what they should be focused on Mm. instead of, oh, I'm getting this facial because my skin is going to be totally different after this. I want them to view it as I'm getting this facial so that I can take care of my skin, uh, give it the best presence and TLC that I can. But ultimately, regardless of any outcome or expectation, I'm me. I'm beautiful. I am who I am. Like, clearly, I have a reason to be here. And all the different elements of myself are valuable and beautiful. So I felt like hypnosis is the way to really drive that home because then it becomes a self a subconscious conversation. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be that. I didn't want people to be sitting in a chair getting a facial with an expectation that the facial is what was making them different. Fantastic. Have you done that more? Have you done that again? I am trying to find the right events for it. Uh I felt like Yoga Fort was the perfect event for it. And um, I have hosted just like a a small session for it, but I want to host it more often. I just kind of need to find the right events for it on the local level. Yeah, I can even see it, you know, as a recorded guided meditation that someone can play while they're doing their own routine. That's such a good idea. I, I think I talked to Robbie about that and then I just like didn't even prioritize it going forward but mm-hmm. we'll talk I'm glad that. you mentioned that again because I feel like that would be a really beautiful thing for people to do because her meditations she wrote the meditations specifically for this we talked about what we wanted people to feel and uh, we did it on all the women in the office and like one of the women like had tears in her eyes and I realized she probably a had never gotten a facial which is ironic she works at our company and and didn't do that, you know, sometimes we are not ambassadors for mm-hmm. the very thing that we do because our own lives get so busy that we don't focus on it, right? And then at the same time, uh, having her be able to speak those words, hear those words being spoken about herself to herself. So powerful. I, I don't know if, if she had had that experience before. Because um, mm-hmm. if you're not a part of like this realm that you and I are a part of Mm -hmm. this like self-love spiritual community then you're not getting the same messaging I always think everybody lives in the same bubble that we do and then I I really try to cultivate friendships outside of my uh realm I guess you can say Mm -hmm. because I recognize 
how much it's needed outside of that in a way that is suitable and comfortable for people who don't engage with totally. that I think, the way we do. Wasn't it you that were said you were going to like business meetups with different political parties? Oh, I just try to make it a point to like really hear out both sides. Uh-huh. And I try to cultivate friendships with people in political parties that I disagree with. Yeah. Yeah. But you were doing something specific recently. Wasn't that you? No, but it sounds like something that I talk about often. Yeah. Like I, I, I have uh, talked to some people who I know who are. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who the w- person was, but it was like a, a speaker who came through recently. You're like, I'm yeah. going to go listen to that person talk, even though they're, I think maybe they were like LDS or something. Oh, you know what I was talking about is I was talking about, I want to host a women's conference eventually. Yeah, that's what and it I was. was. Saying, yeah, and I really want to not only have people that are part of the spiritual community as I partake in it, but I also want to bring in some people from other religions. And I specifically talked about the LDS community because the LDS community, the women in that community have a fantastic like support system for each other and base of faith. And I feel like being able to faith speaks beyond whatever boundary people put on it. And so being able to unify women regardless of their faith, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of any line that is drawn in the sand for them is the key to our society growing. Hmm. And so I try to have, I try to make sure that I have sisters in every realm of existence, my Muslim sisters, my spiritual sisters, my yogi sisters, my Mormon sisters, my atheist sisters, my Catholic sisters, um, my science sisters, you know, I got all, all these different sisters and we all are speaking about the same things, but just in our own ways. Mm-hmm. Someone the other day was talking about how language is the way in which you experience the world. So everything, once you start speaking, you're pretty much identifying a word with everything. And if you speak a different language than someone else, you see the world entirely differently, even though it's the same world you're experiencing. So your experience is exactly the same. And I mean, your experience, your context is exactly the same, but your experience is very different, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so I feel like that's the situation we're in. And everyone always talks about world peace. And I, you know, childish, child, childishly or not, I hold that value in my heart. But I also think that realistically to get to it, We have to create, we have to learn how to not just listen to people who we disagree with, but enjoy spending time with people that we disagree with and have more meaningful conversations amongst each other and have events where we're all together and we're engaging in a more deeply, um, in a, we're communing together. Mm -hmm. So your women's conference is maybe something for the future. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously right now not high on my docket because I just had Mancha. I had another baby. How and old is Mancha now? He's six months almost. Oh. And Congrats. I'm getting cosmic body out and a bunch of 
really trying to um, get into a deeply comfortable, comfortable, maybe the wrong word, a deeply, with Camille Beckman, I'm really trying to come to terms with everything that is and holding like a deep space of service and love for that company instead of trying to push it any particular type of way based on what I think it needs. Your mm-hmm. company eventually becomes like your children, you know, where you're <laughs> like, oh, I think my kid could do this. I think my kid should do this. And those are all things that you want, but maybe they're not always what's right for the kid. Yeah. And I'm trying to do that with my companies, figure out what's right for my companies and for all the people who are there and for the future of it, despite if any of them are gone or if I'm gone tomorrow, you know, what's is this going to exist? If it is, how do I want it to be? Mm-hmm. If it's not, it's all good. And um, there's so many things that I want to do. I feel like we're called in this life to just create thing, everything we want to create. So I envision being able to do um, an event to really bring women of all different uh, backgrounds together. I also want to do a periodical. Uh, I'm working on a magazine right now for next year instead of a retail catalog. This next year, Mm -hmm. we're going to do a magazine, a women's magazine. Um, And just really, I've been getting into that space of if I feel like I want to create something and we have the ability right in front of us to do it, then that's what I'm going to do, regardless of whether it's cool, whether it'll be accepted, regardless of what any what any exterior validation I get from it is. I really want to do everything that I can to try to offer the same teachings that I've been receiving and try to unify women together so that we can all start to learn from each other and have like a like I said, deeper communion in our community, mm-hmm. in our global community. Who would you say is your main teacher right now? Uh, my teacher is local. Her name is Virginia. Uh-huh. Um, and she actually was my, she, when I was about to have, give birth to Rohan, I was trying to find a doula. Because um, everyone I knew was like, yo, Roshan, you're pretty intense. Like, you're going to need a doula. Um, <laughs> you don't know anything about birth either, which was so true. And so I was looking at all these different doulas and I was like no, not for me, not for me, not for me. Finally, I came across this website and I called her and I was like, hey, I looked to sell your website. I think you're you're the doula for me for sure. And she was like, oh, how did you find that? That website's been down for like two years. I'm retired. And I was like, well, it came up for me. And she's like, well, how about you tell me everything you want in the doula and I'll refer you to someone else because... I'm a bit older. I've been doing this for so many years. I don't want to give, I don't, I I can't do that anymore. I have other priorities. And so I told her everything I wanted and she was like, yeah, well, I'm the only person who can be your doula. So I'm going to do it. Let's (laughs) meet. And then after giving birth, um, I just continued doing Dharma work with her and I went through um, my initiation with her and I do a women's group. So she does something called Anana's Journey. Anana, Yeah, so Anana is the Sumerian goddess. Um, like, she's the Sumerian queen goddess, I guess you could say. Um, we might know her in our culture as, like, Venus from the Romans, okay. Aphrodite. But really, she seems to me to be a culmination of many different goddesses. Yeah, Sumeria. Like a mother goddess. Like, yeah. the other goddesses yes. came from her. Yes, and Sumeria is uh, Iraq. So it's it's... 
you know, my actual biological lineage too, which is why I was so, um, connected. Not only my spiritual lineage has been connected to this form of the female, but also my biological lineage is through that area of the world. And uh, ironically, on my spiritual journey, I found that a lot of my uh, spiritual lineages have linked to different biological lineages that are either mine or touch me. So, Hmm. for example, uh, that experience with... um, Virginia or a lot of uh, Druid background that has influenced me has come from my mom's biological lineage, which is from the what is now considered the United Kingdom. Um, my Kundalini uh, yoga lineage, my, my sons are both of Punjabi background, mm. which is that mm-hmm. part of the world. Um, and then, you know, so there are ways in which it's connected and also there's ways in which I learn a lot from teachers where it's not connected. Um, Baba Ram Das obviously has been very influential. Alan Watts is mm-hmm. my like go-to listen person I listen to for sure. Uh, next would be Ram Das for sure. But um, for Virginia, I feel like ha- We all deserve to have elders in our life who actually teach us how to be women and for men, elders, male elders who teach men how to be men. And we live in a society where being old is not considered cool and a lot of old people take that to heart. And instead of looking... at their wisdom through a lens of offering and as beauty, instead we fear it. And also we don't, other people who aren't in that position, we don't value it, right? We put our parents in old folks' homes and, and even though they took care of us when we're younger, we don't take care of them. And so you have this culture where we don't value children at a young age. And then also we don't value our elders at an old age. And these are the two most important parts of life where we can really learn. All the rest of our life is basically opportunity to learn from children and learn from the elders and actually put it into action. Mm -hmm. It's the action period of life. And so for me, having Virginia in my life has offered me this profound experience to have an elder who I deeply, deeply admire and respect be able to guide me. And in a way, her guidance, i the reason why I respect her so much and consider her my teacher beyond all of these other people who I also consider my teachers is the fact that she never really gives me the answer. She doesn't say, okay, well, this is the way it is. I'll ask her something and she'll be like, okay, well, what do you think? I'm like, damn it. (laughs) No, no. But, you know, because we want answers from people. Mm -hmm. Part of my calling in this world is to be able to help people find their own answers within themselves. Because we want answers from people. And so we're always seeking where we can find that answer. And the true spiritual experience is to be going through it and to find the answer yourself. And maybe you get it from a teacher or maybe your teacher says something that doesn't resonate with you and that's okay. And for her to 
I profoundly respect and enjoy working with her because she's constantly showing me how to, within myself, be more creative, be more reflectionary, be more meditative, and find the answers within myself. Take the personal responsibility instead of, you know, panning it off on her or someone else. Um, and you said you did an initiation with her. So is it that she has a training or a program? Yeah. So Anana's journey is, I, I think it's six months She's she wants to do one. She's very particular about who does it, and I I want a couple of my friends to do it. So I there needs to be at least four women because you have to go through it with your sisters. Mm-hmm. But essentially, Anana's journey um, is the tale of Anana as told for hundreds, thousands, perhaps of years through this uh, spiritual lineage. And so you, over the course of, I believe it's six months, actually go through the journey of Anana yourself. And so you are Anana because the truth is, I mean, if you see the truth clearly, you see that you are the goddess and you are the god. You are the supreme consciousness because God is everything. And so you go through this process and you are asked to shed aspects that you feel you need. It's very subconscious. So you subconsciously shed what no longer serves you and you take on what you take on. And it it's a really powerful experience because everyone, you know, I went through it with four sisters and we all had profoundly different experiences. I loved it. Another person, she did not like it at all. She had a, she just didn't like it, you know? Mm-hmm. And Two of the other women, they liked it a lot. They seemed to resonate with it the way I did, but very, very differently in their perspective on every step of the journey. So I don't speak much about it because I think one of the powerful aspects of initiation is that it's not to be spoken of. It's you go through it yourself. Mm-hmm. You experience it through yourself. And and if I clue you in on something and you deter- decide that you want to go through this initiation, um. I can't be a guiding force for someone. You know, right. my words can't guide them. It's a, the, the initiation into being a priest or a priestess or a yogi or whatever it is that you, whatever it is you're initiating yourself into and whatever label you are trying to bestow upon yourself, it's a very personal journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you found her and went through this process together mm-hmm. with your sisters. And how long ago was that? Uh, I started an honest journey right after I had Rohan. Okay. So a few years. Mm-hmm. And I have been working with her since. I, I meet with her a couple times a month. Oh, wow. Twice a month, I think. And then I, um, once a month, give or take, we meet as a women's circle. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Yeah, I think, uh, as I mentioned, I think that we have the opportunity to learn from our elders, and that's going to look different for everyone. But for me, I learned so much from her. I also learned so much from Baba Ramdas. Like, we, uh, I know that you are, you're like within the lineage of Maharaji Mm -hmm. and Baba Ramdas, right? And so, um, the Sangha, they call the group. What it, what? The Sangha. The Sangha. Beautiful. So, Obviously, I don't know that I'm not like within that, but I consider him one of my teachers mm-hmm. at the same time because 
I'll read one of his books and it'll really profoundly impact me. And then I'll read the same book six months later and then it totally profoundly impacts me in a different way. Yeah. Rereading different works is incredible. Yeah. And it's so wonderful now that we can re-listen also, like you were speaking to before, listening to Alan Watts or listening to Ram Dass. Yeah. I, I oftentimes when I'm listening, I need to stop and like make notes and make recordings to myself and... Me too. Especially when they suggest a book. I'm like, what's that book again? Like, I got, what's that book? I got to get that. It's so rare. But when they do, I always have to stop and write that down. And I could listen to a lot of these things over and over. And as you experience things differently, the words resonate with you differently. So I'll think I mastered something. I'll be like, oh, that totally makes sense. Now I'm a master of that. And then I'll come back like (laughs) a year later and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) like I'm totally not a master of that. I've really enjoyed that process myself recently of realizing in a comical way what I thought that I knew that I didn't know really. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very humbling. So this is, I noticed with our kids, like... A lot of times, and and maybe it's not every family, maybe it's just my family, a bunch of know-it-alls, but we like, when we'll hold our babies and our babies are crying, and we'll be like, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) And lately, I I, like listen to myself doing that, and I was like, do you know, Roshan? Like, (laughs) do you actually know? You're trying to impart a sense of comfort and security. That's the I know. It's like, you don't know. Maybe that's where the crying is coming from, but someone out here knows and it's yeah. gonna be all right yeah that's yeah. true that's a beautiful way to look at it it's gonna be because instead right. i was just kind of like man like what do i need to change that verbiage to you know mm-hmm. it could even just but, be like not even words but a tone or a sound that has yeah. that same energy of comfort like i got you yeah absolutely yeah mancha likes just like the deep like oh you know like the mm-hmm. the sound of All the universal sounds. Yes. Space sounds. Yes. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being a mother is another big part of the journey. Whoa, it's so different. I was so scared. Um, I think in our generation, there's like this, we're so obsessed with career that we're, I'm not ready for that. I got to get to X, Y, Z first. Not ready for the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's this. I'm not ready to have a baby yet. I'm not ready to have a baby yet. First, I got to get to X, Y. Like, there's like the destination you have to get to first. Yes. And now I kind of look back and I'm like, man, like, (laughs) I wish I would have known that like 21. I I mean, obviously, I had my kids when I was supposed to, but yeah. Physically speaking, like, the younger, the better. When I hear someone say, I'm not ready to have a baby yet, my only response is, you will never be ready to have a baby. Ever. You'll never be ready. Ever. No matter what. So you just do it when you want to do it. Yep. I had Maya when I was 24 and by every shape of the phrase, I was not ready. Yeah. I I think you told me part of your story once before. Yeah. I, I was fully led only by heart in that and not by mind at all. And, um, the coolest thing about it, I don't know if everyone or others might have this experience, but I really wanted to be a young mom. My mom was young. She had me when she was 20. So it was kind of in my programming as well. Yeah. And I really wanted to be a young mom and was so happy when I was pregnant and with her and then had her and then having her made me 
get ready, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I had, I was like, well, now I have to be serious about life because I'm taking care of another human being by myself. Yeah. And so then that's when I started to really focus in on so much more on work and school and creating a life for her to take care of her. Whereas if I hadn't had her, I would have stayed in that I'm not ready zone for probably a quite a long time. Yeah. Because I would just, you know, be like a traveling hippie yogi bohemian. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Which you're basically doing now, but like with all the real (laughs) shit and experience behind it that makes it juicy. It's totally true. It's funny how that's kind of like a role reversal in a way. It's in my 20s. I was in rural Montana in the middle of nowhere with no access to like anything fun or cool or exciting. (sighs) And now I have it all. Yeah, you do. And you have meaningful relationships that will be there till the end. Because when I think about it, I think... For me, before I had children, like I look back at it now and I was like, holy, I was super depressed. Like I was Mm. power hungry, super depressed. If I would have, like my, having children for me was a saving grace. If anyone came to me, if my children came to me and they're like, you know, I'm 20, we're having a kid. I might be like, oh, well, you know, there's some maturity things, but trust me, you're going to figure it out when you have a kid because it, it makes you really mature. It does. And, um, and selfless and, and see things differently. Totally. So I look at my trajectory. If I would have kept saying I'm not ready, um, everything in my life. The other day I was listening to the, the new Ram Dass. He has that new documentary on Netflix. Mm. Uh, it's super short. It just came up. I think it's called Going Home. Yes. Maybe it's not new. Maybe I just know about it. It came out a few years ago, but it's wonderful. It's about 30 minutes or so. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I just saw that. I'm so excited to watch it again. He does have a new movie coming out um, in a couple weeks called Becoming Nobody. Hey, I'm so excited for that. I like that title. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's coming up. But tell us about watching this one. So when I was watching Going Home... I forgot what my train of thought was. Not being ready. Oh, I still don't remember what my train of thought (laughs) was. Oh, he talks about um, the first part of my life. I was seeking power, power, power. And then I started seeking love, love, love. And the week before that, I was at Virginia's. And she was talking about the five things that humans are here to experience. And the oscillating scale between them that is what it is to be a human. And one of that scales is power and love. So we are here to experience love, like what we actually are, the greatest vibration of that. And love oscillates with power. So on one side of the spectrum, you have power and you have love. And like duality is an important part of human experience. And Mm -hmm. so we oscillate between. And that hit me because I realized before I had Rohan, I was oscillating towards power, 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 power. Mm-hmm. And I still oscillate, obviously, towards power in some ways, but almost like a lot of the oscillation towards power also is love. So now I oscillate so much more towards love. And I learned to do that more and more through my parenting because most of us, you know, we think we're so great because... We're not like our parents, but the truth is like our parents had very little resources for spiritual knowledge and understanding compared to what we have. Yeah. So we're not special. We were just born at a later date, you know, Mm -hmm. and I look at all the opportunities that I have to learn how to love my child in a way that were unavailable before now to where 
I still have this thing in my head of like, well, I have to, the power thing. I have to teach him X, Y, Z instead of I just have to love him. Yes. I just have to love him. Yes. And then to start going into my work and saying, I have to be the cool brand that everybody wants in their store. You know, oh, they don't want me. Oh, I'm so angry. Uh, the power instead of like, I just have to make what I want. And mm-hmm. there's more than enough to go around just because certain people don't identify Like, you don't have to focus on the bad things about them. You don't have to be frustrated. Like, you just literally have to do the service you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, make what you want to make. Service for others, for yourself, for... It's what you're getting busy at while you're at Earth. Business is just what you're getting busy at. Mm -hmm. And so through the process of that, I feel like you can't ever be ready. And yet, at the same time... Readiness, the beginning and the end is such a a lie. There is no beginning and there is no end. And even in the actuality of our lives, like with the idea of incarnation, like there's no beginning and end. And so how do you think that there's some sort of beginning and end as to when you're a parent, when you're not a parent, when you're, it's like being an entrepreneur, like everyone puts off their business or their dream. Like for me, my dream truly is to be like Alan Watts, like to just speak on spirituality and to just do that because I love doing that and to learn and learn and learn and then share it with other people because I have the opportunity to learn in this life. And I feel like that's a great blessing that's been bestowed on me that I can continue to bestow on whoever wants to hear it and whoever it helps. Because the reason why I love it is because it helps me. Yeah. So if it helps someone else, that's awesome. And that, and at first I thought, okay, well, if you do that, you have to do this and that, and you have to, you have to have your business entity. And and, (laughs) I mean, just all the reasons why I'm not ready. And I was like, Rashan, stop being, because it always frustrates me when people say they want to be an entrepreneur, but they're waiting for all the right things. Because I know that it's a lie. Yeah. And so I'm like, Rashan, pick up your phone and just record a message, like put it to put it to like selfie mode mm-hmm. and just stare at the screen and record a message. And, and I, that's you becoming Alan Watts. That's me becoming Alan Watts. Isn't that the first step? Like mm-hmm. if you watch Alan Watts old stuff, like he's very inexperienced. He can't say things. He, he's still very eloquent, but he doesn't say things the way that we know Alan Watts to say things where yes. it just like hits you and you're like, oh, damn, my mind is blown. <laughs> And so I was like, why are you waiting for this, like more knowledge or for your, I'm working on a YouTube show. Like, why are you waiting for your show to drop? Why are you waiting for more knowledge? Why are you waiting till you can like write a book? Why are you writing Mm -hmm. till other people acknowledge you? Like Mm -hmm. pick up your phone, put it on selfie mode, record a message that you want to share, regardless of if anybody else cares. Perfect. And that is how you do it. That's how you do it. You just take the step that's in front of you because the the scarcity of resources is a myth. If you want something, there's always a resource in front of you for you to be able to get it. You just have to see what that resource is because it's not always what you think it is. And so my resource in front of me was my phone. And so the you fact started that I could to just record? Do that. Yeah. So, I mean, up on my Instagram, I just put a couple messages that I... Great. I'm proud of you. I yeah. have uh, internally a lot of fear and resistance around doing that. I can do this podcast. Yeah. Because it's not video. 
Yeah. Right. And so video and Instagram, even myself and like stories or whatnot, like most of my stories do not include my face. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Turning the lens to myself and speaking is uh, scary. It's like swimming in the deepest part of the ocean. Yeah. Because you become vulnerable for everyone else. That's like, that's to me what it is. I don't know if it is to you, but to me. No, it is that. And my daughter, Maya, she's 15. So I did it, maybe it was like a year or so ago. And I filmed myself doing something. I can't remember what it was now. But she said something to like, mom, what was that? Are you just going to film yourself now? And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's always the people that are close to us Just that that quick. Shut it down. Shut it down. (laughs) Okay. My husband will be there and I'll just be like, I don't want to do this in front of him. (laughs) But then that's the time you push through the fear. The other night I did my very first like Instagram story where I talked because I felt like there was something I really needed to share. Um, It was about my uncertainty in my journey because I think a lot of people think I'm super certain because Mm -hmm. when I'm out there, I'm like giving you the best advice and blah. But it's because you haven't seen this thought process of me like... At 2 a.m., literally when I filmed it, like being insecure and saying, I'm putting the insecurity aside. I'm going into the fear. I'm exploring this. And then I come out with this great spiritual revelation, you know? Beautiful. And so this time I just filmed that. And, um, you know, some a, a bunch of my sisters were just like, oh, my gosh, I would have never thought you were experiencing that. I'm so happy because I now, like, understand that my what I'm going through is totally normal and that it's just like my step towards greatness um, or towards, you know, my journey, whatever you want to call that. Mm-hmm. But I think we're afraid of being seen and anything that f- makes us fearful, like there's something behind that fear that it's it's what you want. Otherwise, you wouldn't be right. fearful of it, right. you know? Right. It's either either you're truly scared of it, like the police state, or it's like what you truly, truly want. Like uh, the things that we are fearful and also I think the things we resent, like I'm so resentful of media. That I talked about that when I filmed that. That's what I was talking about. Like, I love what I'm doing. This is my, I don't believe in a career. I believe that life is rich and offers you many opportunities to try and do many different things. So this is where I'm currently at in my life. But instead of considering these few things that I do, even though I'm doing them very passionately, instead of limiting myself to that being my career, I want to be involved in other things too that are important to me. And I don't have like media connections. I'm not you know, out there like to do the news, but why can't my, if doom and gloom, there's 7 billion people on earth. If like three doom and gloom stories make the news on repeat each day, why can't my conversation be media too? Mm -hmm. And then that's when I, you know, put that camera on myself. I recorded that and I realized this is the only way I'm going to get through it. This is the only way that Alan Watts became Alan Watts is because he practiced. Beautiful. The only way you become a successful entrepreneur is by making a ton of businesses. I'm you know? excited for you. I'm proud of you. I think it's fantastic. Like my inner being right now listening to you is just like cheerleader. Like, yeah. thanks. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing this too. Because I remember you and I both had a, con- you and I had a conversation together maybe last year. Um. And we've talked about how we both want to have conversations like this and teach more, but we were, we're afraid of being seen. Mm-hmm. So even though we're 
on a podcast and you can't see our faces, like we're still expressing ourselves in a way that might have been a little bit more fearful previously. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. At that time, we were having lunch at the Taj Mahal. I remember a while, uh, lots of fear around it. Yeah. And then slowly things happen, I think, to ease it a little bit. Almost like that, like mother to child, like, I know it's going to be okay. Yeah. I know. And then you make the leap like I have with this podcast and I'm loving it so much. Yeah. This is cool. This is my favorite medium. I love to listen to like Joe Rogan podcast and that's the primary one. My husband listens to it and I'm obsessed with it now. But I feel like I learned so much just by listening to people's personal conversations Mm -hmm. like this. Well, this will be the goal for this is female version of the Joe Rogan podcast. Because the thing that's getting me listening to podcasts too is it's so male. It is. It's so male, male on male, big men talking to big men which is cool and joe definitely has lots of amazing conversations that crack me up but i can't help it i'll get a little triggered that i feel like there's so few women in the conversation in the same way yeah well that's why we're doing this that's exactly why we're doing this totally and i'm interviewing you another woman thank you most of my interviews that i have scheduled out are with a lot of different women yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. that's a part of that connection and communion we're talking about earlier too exactly Yeah, Yeah. elevating and honoring each other and that feminine, that love aspect. Yeah. A lot of the stories, I notice that when I watch um, shows now, a lot of the stories are told through that male POV, you know? And so it's it's cool because I'm not saying that in a resentful way. It's just where we were at and now we're entering a new phase of it. And I think that there needs, it's cool because now we're just going to balance out. Exactly. Like, I think that the male POV is very important. So I don't want to be that person who, I think sometimes when we get so frustrated by it that, you know, then we don't want to hear the male POV. But like you said, Joe Rogan is yeah. such a good podcast. For me, it's just like, how can I add to it? How can I help yeah. create the balance within it? How can we have other voices that are the female voices there? I think then it just creates the balance. I'm curious, you were talking about, um, now I'm interviewing you. <laughs> I'm curious, you were saying that you have the the fear around that, but then also, uh, like, you're such a prolific yoga teacher. I've seen you teach, like, hundreds of people at a time. So how do you feel like that is different from the social media uh, aspect somehow, of it? Somehow, it's entirely different. And so teaching yoga is so natural and so ingrained and so second nature and feels it feels so comfortable and right. I've been doing it for so long that I the only time I might get like nervous or jittery is like in a new setting, perhaps like you're talking about, there's, you know, 300 yogis out there and it's a festival. Maybe I might have a moment of like, oh, I'm nervous, sort of, but it's like micro. It's like a 0.5 on the Richter scale, 0.05, 0.0005. Very small, but I notice it a little bit. And yeah, so it's just very, the teaching, the yoga teaching is incredibly innate and um, it's super in flow and in harmony. And the fear with the other piece is just me. It's a one-on-one aspect, I guess, too. And so where I'm teaching yoga, there's, you know, 10 to hundreds of students and the energy feels dispersed. Like we're in this Mm -hmm. collective thing together where when the camera's just on me, it's just me. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the aspect of, even though I guess it's kind of ironic, like if I'm in a class, there's there's 10 people, that's 20 eyeballs that are on me. And when it feels like it's a screen, it feels like it's a lot more somehow, even though it's just a screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Even when I did the radio show, you know, for Radio Boise, I got nervous when I first started to do that. And the way I handled it was to tell myself no one was listening. So yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was in this room and no one was on the dial. And even just yesterday, I was out at the Funky Taco and this guy, Eric, was like, are you still on Toast and Jam? When are you going to do that again? I'm like, no, I actually stopped, but I think I'm going to be on it, you know, again next week. But I was just surprised that he knew the show and he knew that I did it. Like it just, I still have that story that nobody's listening. Yeah. As a comfort safety mechanism. And so... Yeah, I know I just got to work through it. Yeah, we all do. Mm -hmm. I also think that maybe that helps it be more authentic, though, in a way. Because if it's like no one's listening, it's like, doesn't matter what, you know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I made a piece of content yesterday, just again, on my iPad, I just flipped the camera to myself and I made this piece of content saying that you, we talk about not listening to the haters, and this is so important, but we also need to not listen to the people who, not not listen, but we need to not place value on the people who love our work because the fame is a fickle friend. Mm-hmm. And so someone says, oh, you, you know, your greatest, ad, the people who love your work the most, you could put something out that makes them deeply uncomfortable and suddenly like they want nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. And so I like the idea of just not focusing on anybody listening and because then it feels so much more authentic to what it is that you want to share. Yeah. Like what it just is that naturally me. flows within you that's just the purest creation and flow as opposed to I'm sharing this because I think you need it. It's also a lot less like patronizing. Yeah. Because people don't want to be patronized, no. you know? The, and, the limiting belief I know that I have that I have to root out is around something like, who am I to say? Who, who am I to have this wisdom to share? Yeah. Who am I to be the one? You know what I mean? Have you heard that? So there's that. The, it makes the me Marianne think Williamson. of Williamson. Right? Is that yeah. what you're thinking of? And who um, are you not to be? Or she no, goes no. Like a lot that? of people say that. And that was the first thing okay. that came to mind. But what I was thinking of was I was talking to someone about in the workplace when men and women apply for jobs. And it was like when men apply for jobs, uh, for example, a chef position, right? You can have a woman who cooks every single day for her kids. She's been cooking for 25 years. She's an amazing cook. Um, but she, they'll say, so are you qualified for this position? Are you a chef? And she'll be like, I mean, I'm really good in the kitchen. I dabble here and there. I wouldn't consider myself a chef though. And then you can have a dude who's, you know, like been cooking for four years and he's great at cooking too, but he doesn't have nearly the experience. And he'll say, yes, I'm a chef. And it talked about how, you know, men, we, men naturally, we don't, I don't know if it's biological or if it's societal. I'm not trying to solve that problem right now. But men have this thing where if I'm like 65 proficient, like I can figure this out. <laughs> and I feel that way too. Like I, I have I that masculine that energy. Personally. Yeah, where I'm just like, I can figure this out. I got this. Mm-hmm. But 
Yet for women, we don't qualify ourselves. So it's like, who am I to be a spiritual advisor? I've only read 400 books on spirituality, whereas someone else might read like three or four. Exactly. And he's like, all right, I'm ready to talk about it. What do you want to know, world? <laughs> um, and it's just, again, I don't know what the root of that is, but it's just the difference, male or female, it comes down to like that personal maybe it's what is your intention like if i if we go into it with this intention where like we don't care if we know everything which obviously as people you and i don't care if we know everything we know we don't know any, like anything and so if you go into that with that mindset then it's really peace like you can do i feel like i could do anything because i don't feel like it matters if it's good or bad <laughs> Yeah, and the other piece too that I the in my internal conversation with it is around like you were mentioning the negative stories to the positive stories and in, like things with social media where it's used so much for just more noise or more randomness yeah. or more distraction. It's like, well, why not put a voice out there that is for something positive, that is for something helpful, that is for something totally. authentic that might resonate with someone in a beneficial way. Like, why not be that voice? Yeah. Why not try to have another voice like that? I mean, shift everyone balance. should do it, really. Like, everyone should do what, whatever, wherever it feels like, oh, I can be of service here. Mm -hmm. You should do that. Um, man, I had a really, something when you said that popped into my mind, but I misplaced it, so I guess it wasn't meant to be. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's great to talk with you about that. That yeah. aspect of things, it's helpful. And to just put it out there and to honor um, the growth that we've both had since we had that conversation a year or so ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's I'm looking forward amazing. to seeing you on your YouTube channel. Do you have a name for it? It's going to be called Mind... It is called Mind Bloom. Mind it's not Bloom. not out yet. Yeah. I just kind of chose the name by the... What do you call it? The, I, I, try, I try to say a lot of little what, colloquial, like a lot of slogans and they don't work. Mm -hmm. um, by the seat of my pants. Uh-huh. You know, is that the right? Yeah. Slogan? Okay. So <laughs> I just kind of chose that because it was like, I want I want people's mind to be blown. And so I was like, but not blown. Like I want it to like, mm. like a flower. I want it to blossom. And so Mind Bloom is what I came up with on the fly. I love that. So it'll be a YouTube channel called Mind Bloom. Mm -hmm. Will you have a website also? Uh, my website right now is just roshanjahan.com. Okay. It's I'll link super to that not in the notes. aesthetic, which bugs me because I'm such like a cultivator of vibes. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it is what it is. It has, it has my info up there. But Mind Bloom, my goal with that is Alan Watts, because I, I told you that's kind of my aspiration is to be able to take full like philosophical concepts, the thing that I care about and I spend so much of my time and really distill it down so that it's available for everyone. Because I feel like I don't think that you have to be like college educated and all these things to be into philosophy. I think it's actually very simple. And we try to make it much more complex than it actually is but everyone is capable of being a part of that conversation mm -hmm. and so I'm just my goal with the show is to take all these philosophical and spiritual concepts and distill it into five minute or less episodes and make it kind of uh, put things out there in a variety of different ways where people can come away with a really simplified understanding of different concepts and just flow with what resonates. Yeah, I look forward to that. That sounds like an incredible resource. 
And I would love to hear your voice, just the filter of you bringing the concepts out into the world. Oh, thanks. It's pretty cool. We filmed it at our house. And so you can hear like the wind chimes in the background and the birds and the creek. Like it's all just nature is the sound behind it. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited because it's, I'm really in a vibe the last couple of years where I am not focusing on, I grew up in the entrepreneurial world. So everything was built around the idea that profit, right? So mm-hmm. put something out there, but make sure it's profitable. And especially when you have a lot of employees that you need to take care of, a lot of my life has been spent on like, you know, always have to make the best choice for profit. And so this Cosmic Body, obviously, I still, I want it to be successful because of my team and I'm confident that it will be. Um, So there's, I guess, a small element of that in it, but I still am just doing it because I feel like it's the right thing to do. And with Mind Bloom, it's really one of the first things that I am taking on where I have no expectation at all within it. You know, if if it gets like two views, I'll be like, cool, <laughs> that's that's that. I, I'm doing it because I want the I want to put my words out there. And I think even if it's not um, regardless of the outcome, I feel like it's going to be something that I look back at when I'm 80 years old. Kind of like when you look back now at your macaroni pictures from when you're four <laughs> and you're like, hell yeah, good for me. I was I was artisting back then. <laughs> Um, I want to be able to look back when I'm 80 years old and be like, wow, Rashan, cool. You went for this, even though you were super scared. Well, I'm in your corner. I'm Thanks. in your corner and I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. And I can't wait for Cosmic Body either. And um, it's just so cool. You're up to such amazing things. And Thanks. I hope you get a little bit um, time to now a little downslope to reground and realign with your babies and all these other projects coming Yeah, I think it's good that fall is coming because fall and winter is going to be, I mean, you know, the human cycle. It's Mm going to be the time to hibernate and obviously we'll still be going to work and doing the things, but ultimately it's going to be a lot more calm and focused on the family and the home and the hibernation. And I find that I really integrate personally with seasons and also with moon cycles. Just naturally, even before I knew about that stuff, I realized that I naturally flow with those cycles. Mm -hmm. I am a lot more outgoing when it's coming into the full moon, like right now. And then afterwards, I'm a lot more, uh, I am kind of back in my shell. Yeah. And then same in the fall and winter. So I'm really glad that we're coming into the fall and winter. I'll be focusing a lot more on my family and Cosmic Body will be out there and... We'll just be, you know, working on the next things and slow, not having any expectations. Good. Well, best of luck with all of that. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. I had the most amazing time. Wonderful. We'll talk again for sure soon. Thank you. Thank you.